Global Religions and Introduction by Mark Jurgensmeyer plus MY Comments Fong Book Maps Can Deceive. Several decades ago, cartographers were fond of providing maps that allegedly demarcated the spatial locations of world religions. A great wash of red would stretch from Tibet to Japan, engulfing China, to show where Buddhism was. The Middle East would be tinted green for the terrain of Islam, a yellow India for Hinduism, and orange for African religion, while Christianity's color, often blue, I recall, was brightly emblazoned on Europe and the Western Hemisphere. Some of the more sophisticated maps would make a distinction between the light blue of Protestant Canada and the United States and the dark blue of Catholic Latin America, but there was no question as to clarity of the demarcation. I imagined slipping across the border from a Buddhist red zone to an Islamic green one and suddenly encountering mosques where previously there had been only stupas, temples, and chanting monks. It has never really been like that, of course. Although there are regions of the world that serve as dense centers of gravity for certain religious traditions, much of the world is less certain as to its religious identity, and always has been. Even Hindu India was a quarter Muslim before Pakistan was created, and even today 15% of the Indian population reveres Islam. Indonesia, the largest Muslim country on the planet, is the home of a rich Hindu culture in Bali and contains at Borobudur one of the world's most important ancient Buddhist sites. China has such diverse religious strata, with most of its population simultaneously accepting Confucian values, Taoist beliefs, and Buddhist worship practices, that most scholars prefer to speak of a multicultural, Chinese religion, rather than any of these three strands by itself. Much the same can be said about the religions of Korea and Japan. In the Western Hemisphere, Haitians are said to be 90% Roman Catholic and 90% followers of Voodoo. Needless to say, it is the same 90%. Jews, of course, are everywhere, and have been since biblical times. Today it seems that almost everyone is everywhere. The city of Los Angeles, for instance, is the second largest Filipino city in the world. It is also the second largest Iranian city and the second largest Mexican one. In Southern California, Tibetan Buddhists do not hide in the mountains in monasteries. They drive Lexus SUVs to the studio lot for a photo shoot. Some are rich, some are Caucasian, and some are among Hollywood celebrities. In Beijing the Chinese government has to contend not only with new forms of Chinese religion, such as the Falun Gong, but also with dissident Chinese Muslims and Christians. Scarcely any region in the globe today is composed solely of members of a single strand of traditional religion. In an era of globalization the pace of cultural interaction and change has increased by seemingly exponential expansions of degrees. So an accurate coloration of the religious world, even 50 years ago, would have to show dense areas of color here and there, with enormous mixes and shadings of hues everywhere else. Moreover, the map would have to be changed from time to time perhaps even from decade to decade, and retented as religions move and intertwine. This fluid process of cultural interaction, expansion, synthesis, borrowing, and change has been going on from the earliest reaches of recorded history. In fact, the most ancient epoch to which we have access, the Gilgamesh epoch of ancient Sumeria some 2000 years before the time of Christ, tells the story of a great flood brought on by divine wrath, and a human who built an ark to escape it. It is a story retold within the context of the biblical book of Genesis and now respected by the great religious traditions of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. The historian of religion Wilfred Cantwell Smith was fond of pointing out that even as ordinary an artifact as a string of prayer beads illustrates the interaction of religions, 
Smith speculated that the Roman Catholic idea of the rosary was borrowed from Buddhists in Central Asia who in turn stole the idea from Brahmins in Hindu India. The expansion of Christianity from the Mediterranean world into Europe was a gradual one, involving archipelagos of centrality in a sea of insouciance, as the historian Peter Brown described it. Along the way Christianity picked up many pre-Christian indigenous European cultural practices, including the idea of saints and the festival seasons of Christmas and Easter, the latter named for Eosta, the pagan goddess of spring. Religion therefore has always been global, in the sense that religious communities and traditions ha. We always maintain permeable boundaries. They have moved, shifted, and interacted with one another around the globe. If one thinks of religion as the cultural expression of a people's sense of ultimate significance, it is understandable that these cultural elements would move as people have moved, and that they would interact and change over time just as people have. Though most religious traditions claim some ultimate anchors of truth that are unchangeable, it is indisputable that every tradition contains within it an enormous diversity of characteristics and myriad cultural elements gleaned from its neighbors. But Christian you're unique the level of ignorance of the Christian is only as high as his arrogance. By the way God is a thought construct. If you had passed a few initiation, milestones, you would be able to tell the difference between you and thoughts, which is not the case. But we are not here to advance humanity in its own understanding, but to play the game I am you are enemy. This contradiction between transnational religion and the religion of nations is overcome in instances where religion is itself the expression of a transnational culture and society. The early Christian church is an interesting example. Although Christianity had its roots in Jewish messianism, the Apostle Paul brought the transnational elements of Jesus' teachings to the Mediterranean world. This was a region studded with dense population centers much like today's cosmopolitan global cities. In Paul's day, the urban communities of Rome, Antioch, and Corinth comprised multiple ethnic groups, displaced persons uprooted from their traditional cultures and religions, thrown together in urban melting pots. In such simmering contexts, new religions were concocted, many of them thrived. The worship of Roman gods, Gnostic ideas from Greek culture, the deity cults from Egypt, astrological sects from Persia, all of these competed with the radical Jewish group of Christians for the multicultural population's attention and support. Ultimately Christianity won. Won by mixing all this, the worship of Roman gods, Gnostic ideas from Greek culture, the deity cults from Egypt astrological sects from Persia and much more, but Christianity is 100% original. What a joke! Christianity had within a hundred years or so of its existence in the Mediterranean world become a religion of a multicultural population. It had absorbed into its beliefs the idea of the logos from Gnosticism, the devil and the promise of heaven from Zoroastrianism, messianic prophecy from Judaism, and civic responsibility from Roman emperor worship. Its ideas were therefore eclectic, touching many of the traditional beliefs of its potential adherents. Its practices were also portable, relying on prayer and worship that could be performed virtually anywhere. And its ability to create its own community and lines of authority was a powerful appeal to people who came from fragmented backgrounds and felt displaced and alienated from the cultures in which they found themselves. The people of the Mediterranean world were much like the urban populations of global centers today. But official forms of Christianity today are institutionalized and defensive, and often unable to respond readily to pluralistic cultural settings in the same way that the early church did in the formative years of the Christian tradition. Much the same can be said of every institutionalized religion.
It always amuses me to see that the sellers of nationalism are the same ones who were born of multiculturalism. LOL. Fools, idiots and uneducated baboons brainwashed by their parents to hate.